Boulevard is once again inviting you to the Dia de los Muertos Festival. Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead, is a Mexican holiday that honors the spirit of loved ones who have passed on. The Nelson Atkins Annual Dia de los Muertos Festival is a Kansas City favorite, bringing together local communities and international collaboration between artists and live entertainment to host a colorful and spirited take on this timeless Mexican tradition. It comes your way on Sunday, November 5th at 10 a.m. For more information on these and many other events in our area, go to kkfi.org slash artskcgo. everyone. Hey, it's time for Art Speak Radio. I'm Maria Bosquez-Floyd here with you from noon to one every Wednesday. So thanks for joining us today. Got a great lineup of, of guests today. Kim Lindaberry and Elizabeth Kirsch are here to join us and we'll be right back. So stick around. It's Wednesday, and we're 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Maria Bosques Boyd, yes, and it's Art Speak Radio that you're listening to. And we're so happy to have a, a really good show. We're going to have a, a robust discussion all about artificial intelligence. And with us today is Kim Linda Berry. And hello, Kim. I think this is your first time here. It's Yes, it is. It's my first time here. Uh, Nice to meet you. Ah, Pleasure very good to, be to meet here. you. Yeah, happy to have you. And our good friend, Elizabeth Kirsch. We just love our Elizabeth Kirsch. Hello, friend. Hey, Maria. It's always it's always great just to be with you. Ah, bless your heart. And shout out to Doug. We love our Doug. <laughs> uh, you know, I want to say that Kim, uh, Kim Lindberry uh, is a Kansas City-based artist and com- accomplished interdisciplinary artist who works with a wide variety of media from pixels and plastics to wood, bronze, clay, steel, iron, and more, undaunted by new media and techniques. He often ventures into previously unexplored methods and media 
to achieve whatever his final desired visual effect needs to be uh, to complete any project. Now, his work often challenges the viewer's preconceived ideas about beauty, about the relationship of humans in the universe, about gender identity, about the concept of time, and about existence. His work has evolved and is informed by his many years of wonder about the dynamics of the cosmos, of time, science, mythology, and sacred rituals, religion, politics, gender identity, and even the dynamics of everyday life. LindaBerry.com for more information about Kim. Just wonderful, like I said, to have you here. And, of course, our beautiful Elizabeth Kirsch is an art historian, curator, and writer who has curated over 100 exhibitions of contemporary art, American art and photography, locally and across the country. She writes frequently for national and local arts publications, and she's just really fun to tool around in the car with. (laughs) Trust me, I know this. (laughs) But, you know, I I think it was really interesting because, you know, we love to have our Elizabeth here once a month, and she said to me, Maria, I would love to do a show about AI, and, you know, I don't know that much about it, and I'm trying to learn more, but she suggested that we bring Kim on, who is pretty well-versed in AI. So we want to talk about that because it's something that's, I won't say it's coming because it's here, right? It's here. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. So we're going to talk about sort of uh, where it's going in terms of art and I know you brought a lot of really wonderful articles there's uh-huh. articles online right. and uh, so let's get started about some of the uh, concerns that we have about AI um, well I I've, I've just been because I do write about art it's been clear for some time and because I did teach mm-hmm. um, that certainly uh, plagiarism was a problem even 15 years ago when I was teaching just because of Wikipedia but now we know that Artists are really, and artists, of course, are always going to grab what's out there and experiment. That's just part of their their DNA. But lately, what's come to the fore, we we have um, MoMA, who has a a giant, total AI-generated piece of art that is in their main lobby, and it it just constantly flows. It's really like a, I, I think of it as being like a giant lava lamp in a way, mm, mm-hmm. and it, it's never the same. So that's MoMA. We know that uh, there was a big article on David Sally, who's a well-known contemporary artist, and he's just one of many artists who's experimenting with AI, downloading all of his work into it and seeing if he can train the computer to come with an, up with an artwork that he likes. And then just recently, the Sunny World Photography Award, which is an international photography award, was, this was last year, was given to a German artist. Um, and it was a wonder, actually, it's a really interesting looking photograph. Um, and it was called Pseudonesia, the Electrician. And it was completely fake. And he won mm-hmm. first prize. And his whole point was to see what would happen if he did that and he won and they didn't really want to acknowledge it but his his point was um uh it's like the tool this is his quote ai generators are absolute freedom it's like the tool i have always wanted i was always working from my imagination as a photographer and now the material i work with is knowledge um, and he said, as, as you are older, it's a plus because you can put all your knowledge into prompting. And that's an important point that Kim can talk about, the 
necessity of the prompts that you give AI in creating it. He said, mm -hmm. if I were 15, I would probably just have generated Batman. Um, <laughs> but he says, one thing I propose is to clean up the terminology and not call it realistic a, you know, AI photography anymore because it's not photography. Um, and he said, right now we've got two sides. We've got those who want to go back to analog times and those who say promptography, which is what he mm. calls what he does, is photography. And he says, we need to think deeper than that. Um, also recently, there were three plays on Broadway that were reviewed in the Times. Two of them were AI generated. And the reviewer said um, uh, that it, it, as far as he's concerned, it did not particularly demonstrate it wasn't incompetent work, but it wasn't particularly interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then others are saying, artists are saying, I love, I love working with AI. He said, it's great for me as an artist. They said, but it's obviously very dangerous for us as a society because yeah, of all, yeah. and we know this now, because of the deep fakes, uh, because of all the deception that it makes possible. So I'm just wondering, and Kim... Yeah. Now, and Kim, I wanted really Kim to talk mm -hmm. about it because mm -hmm. Kim is a guy who can make anything. <laughs> he can make anything, and he did. He worked for the UMKC Theater. He worked for the uh, the opera. He may he makes things. Mm -hmm. He's a sculptor. At the same time, he's very comfortable with digital work. And um, we we'd had a discussion in the past about NFTs, and that's a whole different mm -hmm. thing. Because for a while, NFTs were all the rage, and there were, people were getting enormous, half a million dollars for one NFT. It's like, really? Um, and so we were talking about that, and now there's this. So it's definitely um, – oh, oh, then one last thing, and then I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I asked a therapist I know mm -hmm. who doesn't know duck squat about AI what she thought the problems were, and she said, well – she said, "This is there are existential dangers with AI." Sure. Yeah. And she, for her, she thought that it, she said, "It's our duty to take responsibility for ourselves, and what we do and what we think." And she said, "Giving our power to anything outside of ourselves, our own personal center and free will, can be dangerous. It's like giving power to an addiction." Mm -hmm. And. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the problem is once you give your power to an addiction, you're no longer in control if it controls you. So I, it's like there's this fine line. Um, and when do we cross? When does it become a problem and when, and when not? Yeah. So I wanted – I really was interested in what Kim thought about this as an artist who's still working constantly now on his art. Yeah, I don't um, – <clears throat> excuse me um, – I don't do AI work yet. I, I, I've thought about venturing into it. It's one of those things where, um, like you say, it's, it could become an addiction. Um, I worry about the possibility of uh, where what's where is the source? What's the source for these images mm -hmm. that that people are generated? And that's uh, you know there was a big strike here with the uh, SAG actor right. and, and screenwriters and they're all right. like hey we don't want to lose our jobs and it's like 
it seems like the sourcing of the imagery uh, is problematic. Who owns the copyright on these things once it actually, uh, something's generated? I know that there was um, an artist in Colorado that won a, uh, a state award for his imagery and uh, he went to copyright it and the copyright office said no. We, you, you admitted to everybody that this was AI. Uh, he, he, when he entered, he had not said it was AI, but uh, when he, once he won, uh, he said, okay, this is, this is AI, but I want to I wanna copyright it. And the copyright office had said no. And they've hmm. said it, he's gone back again and again. And the third time they said, look, you can't, a machine cannot be given a copyright. And basically that's what this is. It's a, it's a machine that's, they said, granted, you went in and edited sections that you thought needed to be better. They said, we'll give you a copyright on those little edits. Mm, wow. But you can't have an edit. You can't have a copyright for this whole image. And when, you come down, when it comes down to it and people say, well, you should be able to get a copyright, um, it's just a prompt that is, uh, a prompt just being a, there's a, a line where you can type in what you want it to do for you. But Kim, if, if he had just not even mentioned that this was AI generated and just said, yeah, this is my image, could have, is there any way that they could prove or, you know, sort of examine that it was AI? And at, at the moment, I don't think yeah. so. Uh, yeah, I know I that in so. certain images, like of humans, Mm -hmm. um, one thing to look for to see if it's a fake or not is look at the hands. That's what I've heard, yeah. The hands are, mm -hmm. are, are uh, AI does not understand how hands function. They may, it may get better, but uh, the AI will give you distorted fingers. It, it doesn't understand that. So, you know, if you ever generate an image with mm -hmm. AI, you should say, and put its hands in its pockets. But <laughs> it's, like, it, it's like drawing class really uh -huh. early on in high school. And one of the things to do is just put the yeah. hands in your pocket yeah. so that you, <laughs> so it doesn't look too terrible. But um, yeah, if he, uh, short of probably uh, looking through you know his his files uh, mm -hmm. on his computer, you wouldn't know for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I see it as you know a, a very potentially useful tool, I think the way it really sh needs to be, given the, what the Copyright Office has said, is if you want to use it to generate creative ideas and then take that idea and paint it. Mm -hmm. There's a local Kansas City artist <clears throat> that I know that uh, he's using it solely for, well, yeah, he is using it to generate his images and then he's painting them. Mm -hmm. That way it's all original because it is painted. And so, you know, uh, there is no, no counterfeit. But, mm -hmm. you know, really, who owns the copyright on it? Because, you know, it has pulled together images from, it has sourced the internet yeah. for everything. Yeah. Now there are programs or there are ways to make it source just your own particular images that's a different story to me. Mm -hmm. That to me seems like it should be copyrightable if you're using mm -hmm. um, your images as the, the base source for what is being generated, 
you're not infringing on anybody. That's like what David Sally did. Yeah. He, he fed, and that's what MoMA did. The MoMA, uh, they fed the MoMA project 200 artworks that belonged to MoMA. David Sally uh, just fed it all of his own work from the past. And, yeah, so he, they were just sort of extrapolating from what they have already done. If, if MoMA, <coughs> excuse me, if o MoMA, though, owns the piece of artwork, they don't necessarily own the copyright. That's right. That's right. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. It depends on how old the paintings were. Uh -huh. If they were old, old paintings, you know, the co copyright law only applies for something previous to 1935, maybe? Yeah, and the, you know, the Supreme Court just had to decide on Andy Warhol <clears throat> and whether or not he infringed on the Campbell soup oh, image. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so we're yeah. still having copyright issues that go back to Warhol and Rauschenberg. Well, yeah. But that, that's, it's a mess. I mean, it's, it's a very messy. But are area. there any artworks that are in public domain that, that could be used without any sort of entitlement to, you know, copyright uh, uh, laws and that sort of thing? Yeah, public. I don't. I forget the exact cutoff yeah. date, but uh, anything produced prior to uh, there's a certain date, and mm. I was thinking it might be 1935 for some reason, but I'm not positive. I'd have to okay. look that up. But supposedly, anything produced prior to that, uh, the artist no longer can hold copyright. Anything produced after that, the copyright, I believe, goes on in perpetuity, mm. Mm -hmm. uh, and that you can't just grab it now. Again, things produced before that cutoff date. Uh, if an artist or an actor or company has continually enforced their copyright past that date, then that it still holds. Uh, but yeah, so there it's possibility, but still it's you know, where's the originality? Yeah. Where, where's the yeah. authenticity of thought? Um, and it really does come down to that. Hey, Kim, did, I, I think this is hilarious that Kim, Kim asked AI, <laughs> <laughs> what are the problems with dealing with AI? Uh, so he went right to the source. And Kim, you've, you've got to read well, what it printed out. It was I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, that I, was a brilliant move. That was move. really well, funny. I thought, I thought AI maybe should have a voice in the conversation. <laughs> and uh, I went to... Uh, um, uh, is it was Ch Chat GPT, but it's called Chat uh, Chat.OpenAI.com, and you can go in there, and it doesn't cost anything. Uh, you can create an account and ask it questions. And I think part of the thing with this is it's sourcing. It's using you to learn more because you you can give an evaluation of what it's written, and you can say, Hey, this is good. Yeah. And so they're like, take they're taking yeah. all that info in. But I asked uh, the AI um, uh, to make a 10-bullet discussion outline about the positive and negative manner in which artificial intelligence affects human creativity in the visual arts and writing. And uh, AI told me, well, certainly, exploring both the positive and negative aspects of artificial intelligence, AI, on human creativity in the visual arts and writing for, can provide a well-rounded perspective. Here's a discussion outline that covers those points. And I, it, it, 
Uh, it actually gave me 12 bullet points as opposed to 10 I asked for. Wow. <laughs> 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 it, it felt it had Fail. more to, it yeah, had more right. to say. It's, it's like, I'm, like, I'm telling you, these things can know how to make decisions. <laughs> but uh, just to hit the, the bullet points and, mm-hmm. and not go into depth on them, uh, maybe we can add on to this. But uh, one, augmented creativity in visual arts, uh, AI being a user tool to generate ideas, suggesting compositions, creating digital uh, sketches, enhancing their creative process. Efficiency in production, that makes sense, where it can take a repetitive uh, thing that you want to do and continually um, just repeat it and Mm -hmm. do it much faster than a human. Uh, Innovative art forms, well, um, just gonna jump through them a little quicker. (laughs) <laughs> access to creative tools, and I, you know, it is a tool. And mm-hmm. and I was telling Elizabeth the other day that you know I view AI as just it's kind of it's agnostic. It's like a gun; it doesn't do anything until a person picks it up, and how they want to choose to use it yeah. is yeah. you know neither good nor bad. It's just a tool at the moment. But it's a good uh, enough I think analogy. that. Uh, you know, I, I heard one uh, person uh, talk about the AI, and they they said that AI um, AI itself is not a problem. It's how people plan to use it, and the deep fakes that Elizabeth talked about earlier might uh, come to mind. Let's see, c- content inspiration for writing was another bullet point. Mm. Uh, language assistance for writers. And it says specifically discuss AI grammar and style checkers and aid writers in improving their writing skills, uh, providing valuable feedback. And I gotta admit, I've gone in and typed a few things in and had a few things cleaned up by AI. Mm -hmm. And uh, hey, if you don't have another sounding board, it's a perfect sounding board for a person that's existing separate. Uh, loss of and then negative effects, loss of authenticity in art, uh, ethical concerns in writing, uh, the ethical dilemmas related to AI-generated content, such as deep fake articles or misinformation, which can deceive readers and erode trust in media, dependency and creativity suggestions, uh, stagnation, intellectual property and plagiarism, societal impact on creativity. And that that's kind of, a, a, it, it elaborated and said, discuss the broader societal impact of AI-generated content, including the potential devaluation of human creativity and craftsmanship in the eyes of the public. And that's, you know, that's quite a, impact yeah. but then the last and probably the, the most uh, impactful I think is uh, the, the is cultural homogenization mm-hmm. explore how AI algorithms um, driven by popular trends might favor certain styles of themes potentially leading the cultural homogenization uh, Mm-hmm. Get, did I get that out right? <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and visual arts and writing. And so, you know, AI might, you know, 
it kind of grabs onto, I guess, maybe trends and the, the general. It's going to become the zeitgeist. It's going to yeah, like yeah, it's going to yeah. grab everything, put it into this into this uh, portal where you can. Everybody is just going to be homogenized, or every if that's all you use to think, mm-hmm. you're not going to have an original thought. Man, I tell you, yeah. and I think. Uh, Another thing that occurred to me, because I learned this a long time ago as a historian, is the importance of primary research. And in, certainly in science, in history, in, in, and even in art, I had to write uh, last year an article on a body of work that was made in the 70s and 80s. Now, I still have a ton of art books because there, there was no computer then. And I went through the books, and I pulled up a lot of information, and, 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 and I quoted people and whatever. And the curator was shocked because she didn't know any of this. I mean, she's a contemporary art curator, but this is in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s. Mm-hmm. And already, mm-hmm. it, you know, yeah. it's not, it wasn't anywhere in the computer. It was in books. It was in interviews that I had done. And I think the loss of primary research is a big problem. I also want to add that I think artists have known this, particularly, you know, talk about the zeitgeist. If if popular culture has its, you know, is uh, is on top of the id, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we're going back to uh, great cinematographers like Stanley Kubrick. We all remember Hal, the computer. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. think that. Yeah. And then uh, J- James Cameron, the Terminator, all the Terminator movies, and he has said online, he was interviewed on 60 Minutes a while ago, he said, I was trying to tell you all then what was going to yeah. happen. And then, you know, the movie AI, there have been, you know, where robots can become soldiers. Mm-hmm. I know the military is is truly concerned about that, and we were talking about, well, you, you don't think Putin would make use of those if he had them? And I think in, someone said the one difference between AI and what's come before all of the mechanization, the, te- the you know the technology that's come before is that these things learn, these things can learn, yeah, and then they can make decisions, and are they going to develop consciousness? Because if they do, then then uh, we've got hell. <laughs> no, we're living in Westworld. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. we that's gotta, right. We got to take right. a real quick break, and then we're going to be back with Artspeak Radio, Elizabeth Kirsch, Kim Lindberry, and AI. Stick around. Support for KKFI provided by Circadian Intimates, bra-fitting experts in Prairie Village, carrying sizes 26 through 52 bands in AA through K cups, locally owned and LGBTQ friendly. Learn more at circadianintimates.com. First they were essential, then they were exhausted, then they were enraged. This week on the Heartland Labor Forum, we'll talk to Jamie McCallum about his new book, Essential, How the Pandemic Transformed the Long Fight for Worker Justice. Then, another author, Emmanuel Ness, in his new book, Migration as Economic Imperialism, he shows how migrants and their countries are increasingly fleeced by big corporations. Thursday at 6 p.m., rebroadcast Friday at 5 a.m. Hi, I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two, two takes at a movie currently playing in theaters or streaming. The sex lives of women of a certain age once again endure the sitcom treatment in the raunchy comedy Book Club, The Next Chapter. It's a sequel to the surprise hit Book Club from 2018 and is available to stream on Peacock, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, 
and other streaming platforms. Oscar winners Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, and Mary Steenburgen, and Emmy winner Candace Bergen play friends who go on an Italian vacation. The question, how does a woman in her 70s get married, begins this comedy. These four women meet for their usual book club, and out of the blue, they're headed to Rome to have a bachelorette party. Fonda's character is engaged. Corny jokes about men, romance, getting old, being old, fills this comedy, and it's very tiring. The film takes place in Italy, seeing the countryside of Italy, the streets of Rome, the canals of Venice, may very well be the best reason to see this film. As I said, the jokes are corny and tired as these women. If terrible sex jokes told by actresses in their 70s and 80s is your idea of fun, well, have a look. A great cast in those beautiful locales you mentioned helped cover up the flaws in a truly awful script. But it's a good-natured film and means well. These four distinguished stars go on an Italian vacation and collect their checks. I'm sure it was fun for them, but it isn't for us. I just hope, Russ, there's not another sequel. Susan, we've warned people and done our duty. Don't join this book club. Until next time, I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two. And we're back. This is Art Speak Radio on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. We've got our beloved... Elizabeth Kirsch here with us. Hello, my friend. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and Kim Lindenberry. So so glad to have you. So great, great to thank meet you. you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. You know, we're talking about AI, and it was really interesting, you know, uh, that I, I love that you posed the question to the pros and cons, that uh, you posed this question in, in, that, uh, in that app or AI uh, application, or I'm, I'm not sure what yeah. exactly to call it, but... You know, and it, and it came up with some very uh, wonderful uh, bullet points. And, you know, I, I think personally, we were kind of talking um, during the break. Personally, I am a tactile person. I don't want my art generated for me. I want the tactile. I want the viscosity of the paint, all of that. I don't want, I don't want this. Now, for some people, for some artists, this is exactly the tool that they've been looking for. And it is a tool, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's a tool that, you know, uh, I was I self taught my I taught myself uh, u- using programs like Adobe Photoshop and uh-huh. Illustrator things mm-hmm. like that, and people were just like, "Well, you can't. What are you doing? That's not uh, that's not making art." And I was just like, yeah. "It's just a tool. It's a and and I taught." Uh, I taught those programs out at Longview Community College, and um, it was one of those things where students would just like they, when they first came in, students would. It was almost like, "Where's the make art button on, oh on this gosh. on this thing?" It's like I just, wow. and I was like, "This, there is no make art button on your keyboard." It's just, I said, your computer is just a big, dumb pencil. Yeah, yeah. It's just something that you use. It's a tool you use. Now, for me personally, you know, I started in ceramics and moved into sculpture and, and then, you know, got myself into, uh, into the digital realm. And I partly did that just because I saw, well, 
uh, colleges need people that can teach this stuff. Mm -hmm. And granted, I was self-taught, but I think I did a pretty good job of teaching myself. I figured, I'm a teacher, I can teach myself. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But for me... um, I like I do like being able to touch the clay and things like that. Yeah. But I'm finding as I'm getting older that I'm probably going to be shifting more and more towards the digital. Uh, I do a lot of digital work now, mm-hmm. uh, but um, I may get away from less and less from the the actual physical work mm. and more to the digital work. Just because every morning when I wake up, my hands are just. I got joints that are tough yeah, and yeah. sore, and uh, there's only so much physical work I can do with my hands every day. It seems like. But, uh, here's, but here's the good thing, you know, AI can has made some, you know, improvements and uh, improved our, the quality of our life because of some of the the technology, right? Yeah, for right. And, and for you know exactly. for medical purposes, yeah, for yeah. all sorts of. And you that's know, the only stuff. thing that's good about it. Well, yeah. <laughs> And, and, and there are artists that are making yeah. three-dimensional work, yeah. and uh, where it's just all, all done in 3D modeling, yeah. and then they feed it into a CNC machine, a comp- uh, and uh, a router of some sort, mm-hmm. or any different mm-hmm. kinds of things, and uh, or a, a, a digital printer, a stereolithographic printer. There's so many different ways that something in digital form can be turned into three-dimensional. Right. And that's what a lot of the work I do. Now, I yes, have to Yes, but t- let's explain some of what he does. Because uh, Kim is a perfectionist. I can say this because I met him years ago in the 70s. My husband and I were looking for someone who could make up bouquets for a specific area in our house and said, oh, there's this guy, you know. And Kim was the guy. And we thought, okay, a bookcase. We didn't, you know. Well, it wasn't just a bookcase. I mean, it was like a bookcase, and wow. it had curves, and it had it had oh personality. Um, and uh, <laughs> I we didn't know then what the what he was capable of. But even now, with your travelers, and that's the name of the series mm-hmm. um, that he makes, you first you sculpt those guys first. You, um, you you sculpt them, and then I mean, you you still he's someone. He knows how to draw. He knows how to sculpt. He knows how to do everything. And it's sort of like yeah, Jackson Pollock could make really good paintings before he just kind of spattered the paint. Mm-hmm, and William mm-hmm. de Kooning could make uh, incredible still lives before he started abstraction. Kim is someone who can do it all. And then, and then he comes to AI with that set of tools already and just expands... I think a, a broad range of techniques mm-hmm. and abilities, mm-hmm. and a lot of artists, like Kim said, just want to—they just want to punch a make well, art button. Well, thank you for your kind words. Uh, that's quite quite the compliment. Uh, compliments. <laughs> it's um, true. But um, yes, <clears throat> one way that uh, uh, I've gone into the digital realm and was to by actually sculpting things and then taking that sculpture, Mm -hmm. those sculptures, and scanning them and digitizing them so that they are now exist in my computer forever and ever. Uh, And then uh, I can take that and then manipulate that digital data and information into different sizes, shapes, uh, combinations, and uh, 
So yeah, it's it, it's it's a way for me to go. It's the way that I've chosen to go. Uh, I don't do a lot of uh, the physical sculpture mm -hmm. at the moment anymore. Again, it's to me, it's just the sculpture now is just the maquette for making a digital right. thing that then can be uh -huh. <laughs> changed in so many different ways. But I have to say, you should see the maquettes. Yeah, I mean I they can they imagine. are. They are incredible, and I want to say one thing as a critic. Uh, mm -hmm. So I have written a lot about ceramics, and I, a few years ago I was asked to, I was going to review this ceramic show, these really monster-sized ceramics, and I won't say who the artist was. <laughs> and so I went and I looked at them, and they're very big, which was very impressive to see ceramic. Yeah. They're very big, but I just thought, I don't like them. Mm -hmm. They're kind of dead. Mm -hmm. There's a, this, a dead quality. Um, and I found out that they were completely computer generated. Wow. Wow. And I just, so I didn't review the show. I yeah. just said I can't. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't want to, I don't understand exactly why I don't like these, but mm -hmm. I don't like mm -hmm. them. And, uh, yeah. and I've told both of you guys this story mm -hmm. before, uh, you know, what's about actual art and uh, this was this was also years ago uh doug had a show at the gallery the douglas drake gallery of african art in the upstairs gallery a friend of mine came in and she had just done a dowsing class and she really was a, kind of an amazing psychic person and she wanted to try her dowsing rods on the african art mm -hmm. and i said well that's pretty weird but uh, go ahead, do, <laughs> mm -hmm, what, do mm -hmm. whatever. And uh, and a lot of the African art, you know, they use actual materials. I mean, they use dung for this one yeah. piece and hair and, you know, dirt uh, and real wood. Um, and so she went up and the dowsing rods went berserker. It's like, what am I looking at? Sometimes they went up, they went out, they they shook. They, oh it's like, God. it freaked, it totally freaked me out. Uh -huh. And it freaked her out. We were freaked out. These things were like, it's like, they were alive or they had these sculptures had energy or something so she she said okay yeah that was interesting so she came downstairs and i said wait before you go we have a bunch of like handmade papers here on the wall like by contemporary artists like mm -hmm. ken noland mm -hmm. and virginia Jaramillo. i said try it on those and i just assumed that nothing would happen because mm -hmm. you know you know western we're all you know decadent western art i mean you know compared to africa mm -hmm. same thing happened uh, the dowsing rods went bananas, even though these pieces were glazed over. So I just, I've thought about this for years, and I thought, <clears throat> is there something about when we make, some, when people make something, particularly truly great artists, they, I, I don't know, do they put something of their soul into this piece? I mean, is it like their physical energy is mm -hmm. transposed mm -hmm. from them into the piece? Particularly in both these cases, handmade papers yeah, were made by yeah. hand. They were using their hands. But it's like I've never forgotten that. And are we going to lose? Hmm. Are we going to? And I say that uh, also knowing that in the 19th century, and photographers from the very beginning were fiddling around with that medium and transposing mm -hmm. and making double images. I mean, photographers are all, they're always fooling around with stuff. Uh, but... It, the artists who know what they're doing, I think, can make great stuff. Yeah. And I do think that there is some kind of energy if you stand. I remember going to a Rothko retrospective uh, years ago, 
and standing in front of some of those pieces and I was feeling uh, I don't know I just had a, they had a, they had an effect on me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was uh, a kind of ecstatic effect on me and granted I like art and I like looking at art but I don't know and I wonder yeah. about you know we're going to lose some of that if a machine creates everything like with those yeah giganticus Oof. ceramic pieces yeah. so I I don't know. In the end, is it just the proof is in the pudding? It's how we're going to respond to that artwork, whatever it is. I just need to take a real quick break. I've got a couple of pieces to air, and then we're going to be back with Elizabeth Kirsch and Kim Lindenberry. Stick around. I'm sorry. Tune in to Economics for the People this Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Why do capitalist firms swoop in following natural disasters and human-made ones and exploit local residents? In this week's show, we have a conversation about disaster capitalism with Dr. Rajaswamy. In our regular features, we discuss the cost of living adjustment and the million attacks. Don't forget to tune in to Economics for the People this Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Join KKFI on November 2nd at the Drexel Hall at the Kansas City Irish Center for Music Unites, featuring Calvin Arsenia and Friendly Thieves. Music Unites, a benefit for KKFI, brings together a community for a special night of music. Doors open at 7.30. The concert starts at 8. Go to kkfi.org to purchase tickets and learn more. We're back. This is Art Speak Radio on 90.1 FM. (laughs) 90.1 FM. KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd, and we've got Elizabeth Kirsch, Kim Lindeberry here talking about AI, the pros and cons, what we like, I, you know, some of the the risks and and all of that because it, it is here and and you know we we're talking about not only um, how it affects art and writing, really our, our daily lives, right? Well, yeah. it's just only going to get more so. Yeah. Yeah. And we know, and I think there's, there's like somebody once said, like Plato or somebody like that said, <laughs> there's a trade-off for everything. Yeah. So there's, there are, uh, certainly I know the medical advances and those kinds of advances are going to be, I would presume, very helpful. Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, but it's also going to cost jobs. One of the articles yes. I researched was... Yes. Um, Duke University's National Museum of Art, they, they actually had a shortage of people working there. They didn't have the money. Yeah. And so they went to AI and asked it to curate a show. Mm. And they, they fed it a couple themes, and it, it, chose, it chose the theme uh, of, um, God, it, what was it? Anyway, it, it had to do with, um, mm, oh, Lord. The AI named its project Dreams of Tomorrow, Utopian and Dystopian Visions. So they had to choose from what was in the collection. And they said it insisted on using every Salvador Dali in the collection. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. And it put some things. So they said it was a very – it it kept to the theme, but it was Mm -hmm. a pretty strange mix of things when it was Mm -hmm. done. And they also let let it curate where the pieces were going to be. And so they, and they said it, um, and then are there other uh, museums that have done that? The Bucharest 
Biennale in Romania was organized by Jarvis, an artificial intelligence program, um, that selected a dozen artists after assigning score values based on their popularity and how they fit into the exhibition's core theme of popular culture. And then the Whitney Museum in Liverpool Biennial commissioned a project called The Next Biennial Should Be Curated by a Machine, (laughs) which used a tool developed by AI to generate fictitious artist biographies and absurd curatorial statements, a satire of the cliched art speak plaguing oh real God. biennials. I kind of would have yeah. liked to have seen that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it, Elizabeth. <laughs> you know, and we had talked about, you know, how this this tool um, uh, either aids or hinders uh, artists, but I came across this article um, about this professor at the University of Chicago who led a team that created Nightshade, and this, uh, this actually allows... Um, it adds invis- invisible changes to the pixels and uh, their art that before they upload it online so that if it's uh, scrapped into an AI training set, it can result, it can cause the resulting model to break in chaotic and unpredictable ways. So there's some ways that we can, I won't say battle, but some, some sort of pushback on that, that that's mm-hmm. being developed. But I think it just moves so rapidly. Right. It's, it's like everything. I mean, I think yeah. we're now, that's one of the problems for us, just in, generally speaking, in the world. It, everything is changing so fast. Yeah. It's, uh, it's freaking people out. And um, how do we absorb all of it? And how do we deal with it? And uh, as someone once said, we've got this extraordinary technology that's developing exponentially and yet a lot of us are still uh like living in the middle ages as far as our yeah. emotionally and mentally speaking so there's there's all of that and it, you know as t- tim has said it, it's like a it's like a a gun it's lying on the table mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's nothing until someone picks it up and decides what they're what they're going to do with it, it use it for good or use it for evil yeah all right yeah, um, yeah it's i i kind of not I have not jumped into doing the the visual mm-hmm. with the AI just and it's a personal choice I guess that um but I'm I, tempted I I you know it's 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 a seductive kind of idea to be mm-hmm. able to just make art and and not think about it almost but yeah. but thinking about it's half the fun <laughs> Yeah exactly Well and this is a guy who could do it I mean he yeah. can do all of it any of it but I wonder sometimes I live on a street that leads to the park and saw all these people walking their dogs and their kids down to the park and without without exception they're all on their phones at the same time that they're walking their dog or taking their kid yeah it's like the addict the addictive part I think is they're programmed to be addictive yeah you know um I think I, I love this discussion because I think it, it's really important. It matters, and it's it's a part of our lives now. Um, I just wanted to ask Kim. Uh, we're we're kind of I wanted to uh, kind of put put a uh, bookmark this because I wanted to see if you wanted to discuss a bit about this that I'm holding up about, uh, or it, do you it's, care? To? It's, uh, um how much time do we? Have? Oh, we, we've got about <laughs> we've got about ten minutes or so. Well, yeah, because um, yeah, this is the positive aspect. Yeah, of be, working. Yeah, I mean. because 
you know, I, I think there's, there's uh, since you have not been on before, and I, when I read through this, it's like this is something that, that does matter in our lives mm-hmm. now. And not only is the AI very important, but, but I think uh, sometimes artists are, are looked to for, for strength and guidance and spirituality and sort of uh, very vocal in their politics in terms of making the world better and, and that sort of thing. And with this, I think this is definitely uh, your call to, to arms. <clears throat> yeah. Well, what Maria is talking about is uh, a year ago or so, I, uh, w- at the beginning of the Ukrainian war, I felt kind of hopeless, helpless, uh, and I just felt uh, this was just really a tragedy that was happening. And in some way, it, and I think it uh, made me uncomfortable in my own skin. Mm. And uh, an article, uh, Elizabeth, uh, was able to get an article published into Casey Studio Magazine on the uh, gallery glance last page. And uh, I did a, a project of uh, for Ukrainian aid project and uh, made some t-shirt p- designs and and, uh, and posted them on a uh, bonfire website that uh, that collects the money and uh, I, I set it up so that I don't see a penny of this. It just all goes straight, uh, goes straight to uh, a uh, nonprofit that I designated that deals strictly with Ukrainian uh, aid. I can't remember what year this, or what, what, which um, edition or which, mm-hmm. which. I'll take a look. But it was, um, but it was T-shirts and sweatshirts, uh, and. Um, and you created different designs. Yeah, there, there's four different designs. Uh, try to base them on the basics of, uh, well, of things that might be appealing, I guess. You know, the like sunflower, the, the sunflower, and things like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's. I'm trying to think where. T- and the yeah. point is, they could be printed up really quickly by this particular company yeah and then it was on their website so he could this happened this could happen fast yeah yeah um i can't say that it's made a lot of money but Mm -hmm. it's you know every dollar helps i'm sure if you're interested you should maybe go check out i don't even know the exact address uh the url on that now it's been a while yeah and perhaps people could google it i i found it on the um the Casey uh, Casey Studio website in uh, July 18th of 2022, but I but I think I wanted to raise this awareness about about your your passion and your uh, effort to to help the Ukrainian war effort uh, and all that because I think it's important to know that you know people artists aren't just they don't just bring lovely. Um, view uh, art to your eyes and all that we we sometimes have uh you know we take a stand and it's very important to us to to acknowledge and help others so i wanted to mention yeah it was for the uh, ukrainian aid project and i think uh, possibly if people google that ukrainian aid project do you think that would come up or casey casey studio dot yeah. Oh, yeah, you found it. They yeah. Found, yeah, yeah. I just Googled uh, Casey yeah. Studio and then your name, Kim Linda 
Linda Because it's in the archives, yeah. 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 It should yeah. Pop you can up. get it. It's on Bonfire. What is it? Bonfire.com. And uh, again, I think if you go to uh, the Bonfire.com, you can could type in my name also in their search. And uh, using search engines, by yeah. the way, uh, we're, we're going right back to AI. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of all connects. We use we use AI every day. Yeah. Everybody yeah. uses AI. Yeah. Yes. Chatbots. I'm you, using it right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. When you when you go to, uh, online to see your uh, doctor, mm-hmm. uh, and the chatbot pops up and asks, "What can I help you with?" Yeah. That's AI. Yeah. And yeah. they're just some some forms of AI are more sophisticated than others. Um, I think what what you were talking about also liking to think. Uh, because the art that you're doing now, like your Traveler series, mm-hmm. I don't think that AI could have come up with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's so unique. It's so you. It's so about your concerns and your knowledge mm-hmm. about space and the Drake equation. And I mean, it, it's it's a very complex and interesting. Uh, you know a series of artworks and i don't i don't know that a ai could ever come up with that i don't well, see how thank and you. the travelers are on your website yes yes yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, i have an instagram account may i yeah absolutely okay. please all social <laughs> all social media platforms okay. we want to know about okay um the uh, instagram account is kim dot lindaberry uh, on uh, on instagram and uh, lindaberry is l-i-n-d-a-b-e-r-r-y and kim is k-i-m and my website is uh, kimlindaberry.com and the travelers if you go to the the website you will see uh, a complete exhibition i had uh, at the Lady Volkus uh, Gallery uh, a few years ago, uh, that'll pop up. But there's other things there too, and and there's digital works that I've been doing, and that's a lot of the Instagram will uh, show the newer newer images mm-hmm. uh, of work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, and you know, and I would encourage our listeners to. Um, visit your website, Instagram, and all that. I believe on this article at, in KC Studio of, of last year, it has a QR code, um, I oh, think, yeah. for, for the Ukrainian uh, aid project. Um, is there anything that we left out that either one of you may want to share with our listeners or any upcoming events, um, anything happening that that is of interest that we should... Well, I think you should invite us back next month. Done, done. Here, I, I'm I don't know. I don't know, Elizabeth, but I think this topic has is. Oh my gosh! Oh, it's only yeah. going to get more prickly. We more. just scratched the surface. We, yeah. yeah, and I don't. I, I'm a techno nerd. I mean, so I don't know nothing. Yeah, and I'm AI, a techno peasant, not a techno nerd. <laughs> and I don't even have a website. Yeah, I, mean, I no, can't even I don't figure either. out how to do the website. No. Yeah, I, you no. know, I'm old. Well, well, and it's funny because, as you say, you know, invite us back. Absolutely, and I will generate. A invite and, and email it to you that way because uh, it just makes our, that part makes our lives easier. Yes, you know, it certainly to, does. Yeah, um, but also, 
you know, my fear is that it, it creates so, so much space between us two in, in ways that we didn't expect. Well, that, that's the odd perhaps. thing. You would think that Facebook would bring people together, and they're finding out that with all the kids, it's, it doesn't. Yeah. It's like, in a strange way, it's isolating. Well, I and, will, will say during the pandemic, boy, Zoom was a blessing. Yeah. Because yes. I, I didn't see people for, for months and yeah. months, except an, um, a weekly Zoom meeting, which I'm missing right now. Yeah. My our, our weekly Zoom meeting is meeting right now for, with several artist <laughs> friends, but uh, I th I'm sure they understand. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap up, and and thank you, thank you so much, thank Elizabeth you, Kirsch. Maria. Thank you, Kim Lindeberry. No, yes. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so I, much. I really appreciate the, we'll have uh, you the, back on. the opportunity to be here. You bet. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Next week, we're going into November. November 1st, we have Jenny Mulberg, Megan Ganey, and Linda Yerkowitz will join us. Stay tuned for Jazz Afternoon. We've got a stand-in for Jeff. That's all good. One to three. Three to six is, uh, oh, yes, more music. <laughs> so don't go anywhere. Thank you so much for tuning in. And, honey, I'm coming home.